Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason and today with me is Bebe. Hey, hi, Jason. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Well, I'm wonderful. I can't account for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everybody's doing well. So many people are getting sick. Mm, sure. Yeah. Like the whole world is coughing. Yeah. Mm. I guess that is this just the time of the year for that to happen. According to a report published in 2020 by Women's Wear Daily, mm-hmm. hashtag zero waste garnered more than 4.7 million uses on Instagram that year, making it one of the fastest growing and widely used sustainability related hashtags on the platform. The movement to live sustainably has rapidly picked up steam and is set to break decades old trends. Maybe we can finally collectively apply enough pressure on corporations and CEOs to do something or risk losing their bottom lines. What do you think? Well, my first question for you, Jason, is why would you reading women's wear daily (laughs) you know it was quoted in the bbc from an article in 2023 and so okay yeah two weeks ago they were quoting it because zero waste is very popular right now again and actually Mm. the bbc has a new column you know environment and you know war or national international they have a whole section now on the bbc devoted to living sustainably Mm -hmm. so well i like the concept but i think the hashtag zero waste mm-hmm. might scare away a lot of people because it's like, you know, it's driving for a perfectionist way of doing things. And that's very, very hard to reach. If we just say like less waste, right? Well, here's the thing about hashtags that take off is that usually we all have our different opinions about what would be popular with most people. Mm. But if it got 4.7 million uses, then it's proven that it as a hashtag is more popular than any individual might perceive like we might be wondering would that take off but literally it has taken off Mm. so in terms of instagram hashtags it's one of the most popular hashtags out there so people really like zero waste so Mm. i think there is a movement at least among you know a lot of developed nations where there's a lot of waste to start re-examining their own lifestyles. Right. That's definitely the direction that we need to go going forward. I'm just saying that, you know, getting something positive done Mm -hmm. is better than getting nothing positive done. Mm -hmm. Because once you scare people with like something absolute, like zero waste, my response will be, oh, I can't do that. I mean, I look at the waste I produce every day. I'm like zero. Like, how do I reduce that to zero? But I can go for less. Mm-hmm. No, little less today, little less next month. Mm-hmm. And that will be just more practical in a way. But I like the idea. I love it. Well, if that works right. for you, sure. I, but I think there are actually people. OK, so you know how maybe in the 1980s, people would say, I'm a vegetarian. And at that point, people were really thinking, oh, my gosh, that's too extreme. I could never do that. Right. Mm. Well, now there are tens of millions of vegetarians in the West. So and vegans. and vegans. And that's a whole new thing, too. That's only really took taken off in the last 15 or 20 years. And now there are like millions of vegans as well. Mm. So it may seem like a big step to some people now, the high idea of zero waste. Mm. But I think this is one of those things that we're going to be looking down 10, 20 years. There are going to be a lot more people living this way than we might expect. Right. And it doesn't mean you can't be cool because these people are not like, you know, living in a cave, you know, or whatever with like a deer skin and like <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. They're going out to really cool, trendy places and buying cool, trendy things. So you can go to like thrift stores and buy old coffee mugs and stuff. Mm. Or you can take old furniture and, you know, sand it down and refinish it. It's not that they don't want to like use happy, good things that make you comfortable in like modern life, but they want Mm. to do it with the least amount of impact on the environment as it is actually possible to do. And they want it to last. Have you heard of the Japanese village called Kamikatsu? 
I think I'm saying this right. No, I haven't. So I think this is the village that I read about.、Mm-hmm. There's this one Japanese village, like in the mountains. Maybe I think it's in the Shinkoku region, and there are not that many people there. Maybe just fifteen hundred people,、mm-hmm. and it was plagued by terrible environmental conditions.、Mm-hmm. I think maybe decades earlier, I'm guessing. And the villagers got so tired of it.、Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to live mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. what's another word for like shitty environment? Nicer way. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm sorry. That was like the first. <laughs> Time I said this word, but is there a better word for this? I've ever heard you say any bad word. <laughs> well, I just I don't I, I don't know.、Uh... A bad environment. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that would go. That would do. So they were so tired of it, and they decided they were going to go for something close to zero waste. Yeah. And the villagers, they actually acted together, mm, mm. and you know, later on, they did almost achieve zero percent. I think the town, the town village, now recycles eighty percent of its garbage. Wow. This, according to the city leaders, and basically everything circulates.、Mm-hmm. Like they're so. Tough on、um, recycling.、Mm-hmm. You, like if you have a bottle, you have to spend like five minutes just taking it apart. Wow! <laughs> like ripping it apart. <laughs> I- I'm exaggerating, but yeah, they do that for everything.、Mm-hmm. Like your yogurt bottles, your clothing, everything you want to recycle. By the time you've、mm-hmm. like finished cleaning things up,、wow. you realize that everything can be reused. Yeah. So it's it becomes like a mentality instead of just like small actions you do. So you do it.、Mm-hmm. You do things more consciously, right? You buy less wasteful stuff. So. There are examples in the world that we can look forward to. Well, you know, I was thinking about you and me because we've been talking about the environment for a couple of years now,、mm. and I have made gradual improvements, but I've not gotten to what you know. We started with the concept of zero waste. There's no way I know, not at all.、Mm. I, and I use disposable cups, but I would say through our conversations, I've definitely become less. Wasteful than I was before,、mm. and I've taken some steps towards improving my impact on、That's、the environment.、Good. And I think,、mm. I think that for an American, you know, I do a reasonable, okay job. And it makes me realize that it's not down to only、uh, consumers. Again, we've had this conversation before. We really need companies to step up and scale a lot of the、mm. new technologies that do exist,、mm-hmm. which are more expensive. Here's the thing: if I wanted to buy coffee, and you told me that your coffee that comes in like some kind of container.、Mm. That your container was biodegradable, right, right. right? And that it was going to break down into the environment within like a couple years, right? And it's going to be fine. I would pay more for your product, and I'm not. I would. I mean, double. I would pay I would double. Do I would. Do you、too. know, if it was like three dollars for this one, and that one six dollars, but it was environmentally sound, I would pay six. So I think that's something that these companies don't understand that we are willing. To spend more, to pay more, to pay more to、right. make make sure that our choices are not hurting the world. So you know, as a busy mom, I actually order takeout、mm-hmm. uh, every week. Yeah, and a lot of times it's for breakfast. And you know, Chinese steamed buns, like with fillings,、mm, not、yeah. just like the ones with meat and everything inside. You know, bowls. That's what I mean. Yeah. So these make really、mm-hmm. good breakfast items. Yeah. And I order them from these shops、mm-hmm. close to me. And there's this one shop that's the most expensive one. Yeah. I buy it from them most of the time.、Mm. And the reason is not because、mm-hmm. their bowls are all that much better than the rest. Yeah. It's because their bowls come in paper bags. Yeah. And their porridge comes in paper cups. Yeah. Now I tried several other options. Either they use like plastic containers, like the worst kinds, yeah, or they're just like they use these small paper, like thick paper boxes, which I think is wasteful. All I need、mm-hmm. is just a simple paper bag, right? Right. Like ten minutes on the way, they'll end up in recycling. So I think the shops may never know that consumers like me rejected their shop, not because anything wrong with their、mm-hmm. product. But because of the way that they are packaged, yeah. So if I can just、right. maybe、yes. someday I just go, you know, knock on their doors and tell them, "Hey, change your container, and I'll buy from you." <laughs> you could do it in the comments section on the Ulama, right? You can just go in there and say, "I love your product. Please use a different kind of container. I will order from you." Something like that, right? Do you think they'll read it? I think that yeah. yeah. If I was a business owner, I would、okay. definitely be reading the comments. I know that American business owners read the Yelp comments. I see. Okay. This is not on topic, but I think it's related to. To reading comments, right? So there's a, a very famous American coffee shop、mm. that got a very terrible Yelp review. So it, when you walk by this coffee shop, there's a huge sign <laughs> on the cafe that says. Come in and try the worst coffee in the world, according to one Yelp review. What? 
<laughs> this is brilliant because they're like kind of poking fun right. at someone who's and Ashley yeah, shows so anyways, that they're confident, you know, in their own way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Oh yeah. You're listening to the bridge. Well, really quickly, COP28 is ongoing. And so COP28 is environmentalists and world leaders from around the world meet in Dubai. Mm. And they talk about three primary things, but there's dozens of issues related to these. One of them is preventing the earth from heating 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2050. Mm. Number two is, and I read this on their website, number two is helping poor communities deal with the impacts of global warming as they begin to affect them. Mm. And number three is stop all fossil fuel emissions by 2050, which is not probably realistic. But mm. there's all these other related issues. And when we're talking about reusing things, circular living, mm. right, zero waste, we're talking about that too, because it takes fossil fuels to produce your t-shirt, mm. to produce your mug, to even recycle. I know a lot of people love recycling, mm -hmm. but recycling uses a lot of water and a lot of energy. Exactly. And unless you're living in Greenland, I think they're the only country in the world that has zero emissions because there's like 200,000 people there or something. But, you know, basically... That's still amazing, though. Yeah. Basically, if you are using any product at all in any way, you are negatively impacting the environment. And so if we want to help the environment, it's mm. not just turning the lights off, but it's also buying less T-shirts, less coffee mugs. Or everything else. Yeah, everything else. Uh, exactly. That's exactly right. I think mentally we need to, I guess, shift gears a little bit. Like, at least we need to learn to initiate these shifts. I think looking back, we've been so soaked in consumerism for the past few decades that a lot of us... Oh, yeah, my entire life. I know. Right. But then, see, we didn't realize this until pretty recently, right? Like in the past few years. Right. In the past few years, I learned mm -hmm. that, oh, so I was once just a citizen or, a, you know, a person. And then somehow I turned into a consumer, you know, in all kinds of big data. I am one of the consumers. Mm -hmm. And there's like a whole bunch of numbers, preferences related to mm -hmm. this identity. And as if the whole point of my existence mm -hmm. is that I consume and other people make money and then the whole thing, you know, circulate in that way. Mm -hmm. So we need to jump out of that mindset. Mm -hmm. And also the way people talk about the economy. Mm -hmm. We hear this in the news all the time, how it has to grow, 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 grow. Yeah. As if... I'm one of those people. Yeah, but then maybe it's not that bad if it just slows down a little bit because everything comes at a price, mm -hmm. you know? And by now, most of us, like at least middle class, right, upper class, we have more than enough. I've been saying this forever, you know, on the show. Mm -hmm. And I tell that myself, this is the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at our apartments. Mm -hmm. It's like stuffed with stuff. Stuff, right. Decades ago, back in the 80s, when I was little, we had like one, maybe one fiftieth of the things wow. we have now. We you have, must have a lot of stuff now. You know, we wanted it more. <laughs> I do. I do have. I have too much. The reason why I don't buy a lot now is because I just don't want to deal with them anymore. Like if I buy a lot more clothing, where am I supposed to put them? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to throw them away. So anyhow, my point is we're so used to this kind of consumerism. Yes. Right. All around us. But maybe let's just ease off a little bit. Well, there's a movement. And Have you heard of degrowth? Degrowth? <laughs> degrowth. No. So there's a movement of people using this hashtag and this nomenclature online called degrowth. And so the concern between the growthers, I guess, <laughs> that just made that up, me. Grossers. The, the growthers, people. Okay, so the concern for people who want the GDP to grow is that, hey, we have people in impoverished parts of the world and country, right? And we want to make sure that that growth encapsulates them so that they can get their minimum Maslow. Okay, too many ideas. Maslow's basic laws, right? That <laughs> everyone needs to have shelter, you know, food, mm. water, clothes, those basic right. necessities, even access to healthcare. So this is like the first threshold of things that everyone should have access to. Unfortunately, because of the structure of the world, people don't. So a lot of people who are GDP growth right. focused, you know, that's their our, our focus is, is we want that growth to eventually encapsulate all people so that they are able to meet this first threshold of Maslow's theory of needs. And that means everyone should have shelter. Everyone should have clothes. Everyone should have clean mm -hmm. water and, and you know good, healthy food and access to medical care and a good education. Now, you're talking about 
is a relatively new idea. Right. And this is, goes back to toxic capitalism by our friend Gilbert, is that we need to actually degrow right. the economy so that we're not consuming all these excess things. You know, these little trinkets and peak plastic Pikachos that are sitting around your home and things. They're superfluous, unnecessary. They're bad for the environment. They're not helping, you know, someone in an impoverished country. So getting these two ideas that we need to help grow impoverished regions mm. and we need to stop wealthy regions from over-consuming, putting them together is actually much more complicated than, than I think most people understand. Realize, yeah. But I think this theory just mentioned yeah. how, you know, the economies have to grow so that we can lift poor people out of poverty. Sometimes I feel like this might mm -hmm. be a, mm -hmm. an excuse for the rich to become richer because I think there must be better mm -hmm. ways of mm -hmm. helping the poor people, right? For example, in China, we have targeted mm -hmm. poverty mm -hmm. alleviation. The idea is, well, of course, the whole economy grows, yeah. but you can't just leave it to that. To help the poorest people, right? The economy grows yeah. and that you need to spend extra energy and pay extra attention to the people at the bottom. You need to actually think of particular ways mm -hmm. to help them according to their local situation. It's not like if the economy keeps growing at 8%, right. then the ones at the bottom will naturally be lifted up. Yes, maybe, but maybe not. Right. So I think across the world, it's the same thing, Yeah. right? You can't say, okay, like if the mm -hmm. economy of the US or Europe or China keep growing by like two, three, five, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent, then the people off in really poor countries, their lives will be better. Maybe not. It might take forever for it to get to them. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes that's right. just an excuse. Yeah. It needs to be more targeted and more yes. fine. What's the word? Like refined right. methods to help the poor. But anyway, coming. I think that you're actually touching on exactly what needs to happen. We as a collect civilization, you know, people at the leading the tip of the spear, you know, people like uh, Eric Solheim and, and, you know, leaders around the world need to and COP28, the, you know, the leaders meeting there, they need to talk about how to target poverty leave. Aviation, at the same time, reducing our mm -hmm. cultural, you know, dependency on superfluous goods. Mm -hmm. But, you know, speaking of poverty, both my grandmas, they lived in poverty for decades. And what I learned from them mm -hmm. is actually they didn't really complain all that much about being poor when they were, you know, younger. Mm -hmm. But what I noticed, they were happy with the way they recycled things. They were happy with the way they used things to their mm -hmm outmost capability. Um, I remember like mm -hmm. my grandmother who is from my dad's side. She's like 96 now and still healthy, which is, you know, very lucky. I remember how frugal she was. This one time I was, when I was little, I was visiting her in the village and whenever she saw like a half a nail or like a little bit of cotton because they farmed and they grew like cotton plants mm -hmm. and they would actually pick the cotton, you know, the cotton balls like on, on the plant. Yeah. And sometimes they're mm -hmm. like... My mother did that. Yeah, little pieces here and there in the house and she would you know whenever she saw them she would pick them up she didn't consider them as just like garbage trash to be swept away you know she right. picked up everything that could be used mm -hmm. and my maternal grandmother I mean when in her later years our lives were so much more wealthier more comfortable right not really wealthy but comfortable wealthier but she kept her ways mm -hmm. like exactly she never wasted anything mm -hmm. and then I realized that it wasn't about money for them Maybe at the beginning it was about money, but in their bones, like yeah. in their soul, they believed in using everything to their fullest capacity, use everything to their fullest capacity. They believed in the virtue of this. It wasn't just they were constrained mm -hmm. monetarily, like they didn't have financially. That was just one mm -hmm. side of it. Even if like even if my grandmother was a millionaire, she would still live the way she did, not wasting anything. So you know what I mean here, Jason? Like by now, a lot of us have forgotten that when we have money, we spend Mm -hmm. We consume, we waste, yeah. but not so for my grandmas. You know, if, if I just give them a heap of gold, they'll still live in their frugal <laughs> way. Yeah. My wife's grandmother is exactly the same way. She lives out in the countryside in China in what, you know, a lot of, mm. you know, 
people who live in cities would say, oh, my gosh, let's help her move to live with us or whatever it takes. Right. We've offered her that opportunity. <laughs> and she's like, no, I don't want to live there. I like it here. You know, she's like <laughs> she will beat you away with her cane. Like, get off my land. <laughs> she does her own farming right. in the spring. And, it, you know, I'm talking a couple acres, wow. just her. And she's like 80 something. Anyways, you're exactly the same. Thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> my grandmother in America, exactly the same. They would go out and collect steel mm. that had been discarded from the train tracks by the workers. Oh. And then they would bring that back. And my grandfather would weld that into other things. Amazing. So they were re- literally like reusing steel that they just found on the roadside. I want to mention one more grandma. Okay. Sure. This is, I read in a book. It's yes. a, by a, a book by a Japanese stand-up comedian. I think he was like a really popular stand-up comedian. And he wrote a book about his grandmother who were so poor mm-hmm. like, back mm-hmm. in the days in Japanese village. And she would walk around like every day wherever she walked with a magnet attached to her body. Like she would attach a piece of magnet and tie that what? with a string <laughs> to her waist everywhere she walked uh. so that they would collect any metal, uh-huh. you know, that would stick to the magnet. You know what I mean? Like if she walked and there's like half a nail wow. lying on the ground, it would yeah. stick to that magnet. Yeah. Every day she just and she would bring it. whatever she could collect back home. And you could say she had a magnetic personality. She did. She was a wonderful person. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? If people can go to that extent, there's a, yeah. a lot more that we can do in today's world. Well, we've talked about in previous episodes, people using clotheslines and air drying in Asia versus like we have... Uh, So there's all kinds of ways that I think our previous generations of people had were much more thrifty and frugal. And maybe we've just gotten really uh, used to having excess. And maybe part of it's TV, movies, Hollywood, you know, they're telling us, oh, you need this brand new thing. You need especially young people are very susceptible to this because for you and me, it's like we can change our lifestyle to whatever. But young people are insecure and they're looking for a partner and they feel like I need new this to attract a partner. So they're out there spending money. They're at the mall buying expensive things because that's what they think is going to allow them facilitate them the opportunity to be impressive to someone that they're trying to court. Not that you mentioned this. I was just thinking about it at lunch. I was thinking about how people who are really confident, like people who are confident about their looks, the way they are, the things they do, Mm. you know, they care less about what other people think about them, Mm -hmm. right? They'll spend less time buying new clothes or buying new bags so that other people will think they look beautiful or that they are wealthy, they're loaded. Like people who are already confident just don't spend much energy doing that. But anyhow, I mean, young people, we were, I guess, at one certain stage of our lives, we were like that too a little bit. But I do have more hope in today's young generation and the younger generations of the future because they grew up in such abundance. So they don't have the sense like my parents had growing up. They felt like they never had enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think this mentality is still in my, let's say my mom's psyche somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, even though it's obvious that she has more than enough in everything, Mm -hmm. but there's still this idea of this feeling of scarcity, maybe because she lived through it for so long. But the younger generation, they don't have that Mm -hmm. baggage. Right. They have enough. They have enough. Mm-hmm. And and also, I think in the future, mm-hmm. just as we mentioned in this article, there's going to be trends like, you know, that will make recycling or reusing things cool and trendy. You know, like maybe it's not going to be so cool if you yeah, are I'm all hoping dressed for that in too. Zara or H&M. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Zara. Sorry, H&M. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. But if yeah. you can go out in a piece of like tweed jacket that you remodeled for from mm-hmm. the one your grandma had, mm-hmm. right? And then you can pair that with something your mom had when she was younger. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the cool thing. And you did that with a sewing machine, right? Yourself. If you go to the Hutong area next to Beihai, mm-hmm. there are now thrift stores, which are, you know, very popular in the United States. Right. But they're becoming popular here in Beijing. I tried to go in one. I look was looking through the window mm-hmm. and I thought, oh my goodness, they have some hats I really want. They're just amazing. <laughs> 
amazing like old go? man hats. Uh-huh. I tried to get in, but it was so full oh. of like 20 something women <laughs> that were like oogling over everything and buying up the store. And there was like a line of five young ladies and, you know, young schweigas, uh, handsome men trying to get in there that I gave up. I was just like, oh, there's no way I, I don't I'm too oh. old to oh, fight no. through this crowd of young kids to get this hat. So I was I was actually wondering about that because I have not seen that many secondhand stores in Beijing <laughs> or actually where now there are in China in general. Them. I don't know if there's like some laws, regulations about selling secondhand stuff here in China. Nope. Maybe we can look into there that. Is not. Because I think it would be really cool to have more of the following things in China, like in Beijing, especially in big cities. Mm-hmm, First mm-hmm. is like thrift stores, mm-hmm. right? And and the second mm-hmm. is like these shops that fixes things. We talked about this, but remember what was the cafe? They have those. They totally have those. I know you and I and Gilbert sat around and talked about it, but right. I've noticed What's there the already kind of are those, but they're just, instead of being like you and your friends, what they are is these old men who ride around on these like motorized vehicles or bicycles sometimes with their equipment with them screaming in the middle <laughs> of the hutong, you know, or they have like some kind of speaker sometimes that says, I'm fixing things, bring your things here. I'm fixing. And I used to hear you that when I was there. little, yeah. but now I haven't heard that for decades and I miss that. Maybe just... In Shidan, they have it everywhere, yeah. Are they just doing it for show or are they really doing it for business? No, you can bring down your toaster, your microwave, whatever it is, and they'll open it up and start like, you know... I, I want to shop like that nearby. Fixing it right there in front of you, yeah. Remember my broken vacuum cleaner? Yes. And my broken like 10 other stuff? So this morning, my water boiler stopped working. Mm-hmm. Like something in its mind just went off. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's salvageable. You know, mm-hmm. if someone just like, if there's a shop nearby that I can take it to, mm-hmm. I would love to do that. Not because it will save a lot of money because they're right. not expensive exactly, yeah. to get new ones. But I can't keep wasting stuff like this. But where's that shop? Mm-hmm. I need a shop like that nearby. <laughs> I want my dad well, you know what's here. One thing <laughs> that we do anything. have a lot more of oh. here in China than they have in the US, and this is one of our strategic advantages, is mm. seamstresses and seamsters who are really good. You know, these people like worked in the Levi's factory, literally. Mm. And so you bring your Levi's there and when you leave, it's going to be like <laughs> factory perfect, right? So if And like $3. Yeah, it's like nothing. Yeah, so if you want to have something hemmed, you don't have to go somewhere expensive. You can just go to your local anywhere. There's like 10 within walking distance in every direction of my home, anywhere in Beijing. And you can just go in and give them anything and say, this is what I want to... I'll, I'll t- give you a strange example mm-hmm. of how capable these people are. I went in with a Pikachu jumpsuit. What is that? So it Pikachu? was a What's that? Pikachu is a Japanese cartoon character that is adorable. Oh, I know, I know, I know. That yellow thing? Yeah, I bought one. The biggest size they had. But I, I'm a big guy, so it didn't fit me. So I went to them and I was like, I need you to make this bigger. And they were like, yeah, come back in, you know, tomorrow at the same time. I came back tomorrow at the same time, gave them 20 kwai. What's that, like three bucks? Three dollars. And they had yeah. re, they had added new fabric to different places and made it big enough that I it fit me perfectly. So I was able to wear this as wow. my winter attire for a couple seasons you know seriously seriously yeah so i'm walking around the house it's a giant did pikachu they... <laughs> yeah <laughs> did the guys at the shop look at you like with weird glances but like held back from saying anything <laughs> you know there was an old lady and that was just it she was just one old lady and she was more like you need to lose weight and i was like yeah <laughs> yeah but I, i'm not gonna lose weight by tomorrow oh can you gosh. just let it out a little and she's like okay i'll let it out you lose weight and then come back tomorrow Wait. same time <laughs> She didn't even know you, right? No, not at all. No. So that's the funny thing about, <laughs> you know, China, because yeah. if you say that in the U.S., I think oh, you'll yeah, get yeah. sued. Right. Yeah. People will be like, you you hurt my... F- like somebody will like throw rocks at your store. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. But in China, people are very honest about stuff like that. Well, it's actually because they care about you, you know, or else they just wouldn't say, say anything. Yeah, but it takes yeah. people some time to get used to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's not the first time this has been said to me in Asia. If, if I go to that lady's shop, I think she'll point at my face and say, you need to wash her face <laughs> and wash her hair. <laughs> I mean, like, Thank you very much, Grandma. <laughs> yeah. So but, but well, you can have anything story. done. I mean, they can. I've literally been to ones where I've said, can you make me a jacket like this jacket? Like show them a jacket that you have. Could you mm-hmm. make one like this? And they're like, yeah, no problem. That's it. Look at it. Look at it. Sure. What do you want it made out of? I mean, that's how good these people are at this stuff. You know, and this is not 
something you can do cheaply in America. You want to have a custom exactly. suit made in America? You're talking a thousand dollars in in China. Oh my gosh. You're, you're you're talking like thirty bucks, fifty bucks. So this is a really good idea. But I think people who don't know China as well probably don't know about this part. Like as you mentioned, seamstress or these shops where they make custom make clothing, right?、Mm. So the suits. My husband has two suits,、mm-hmm. and he has had two suits for the past twelve,、mm-hmm. what eleven or twelve years. Hey, he's already living a circular lifestyle. I know that because he made that for <laughs> our wedding. Wow! So we went into one of these、uh, shops at where is that? Like Sunlitor. Oh, Sunlitor. Yeah. Some, yeah, Sunlitor. Yeah. Somewhere there. Yeah, yeah. And we found the shop. So I made a chipao, which is like you know traditional yeah, yeah. Chinese dress, and we found this nice fabric for men's suits. And so he made two sets. And twelve years later, they are still like spanking new. Yeah. There's like I don't know. He wears those like one of those two suits to every single meeting for the past decade. Oh, great! And、good. they're still in perfect shape, nice and new. That's fantastic. Yeah. They were, and they cost it what like less than a hundred per piece, and that's for material and everything. Yeah. And the shirts we made at that time, they're still like nice and new. It's、mm. just amazing. I don't know if the shop is still there, but you know we want to go back and <laughs> maybe make more in the future. They're just So much nicer than the pricey ones. Because if you go to the shops and you want nice suits, that costs you thousands of、uh, RMB, right? Hundreds of dollars. Any listeners who live in Beijing or are thinking about visiting Beijing, I would like to give you a couple tips about getting nice clothes made. Go to the place in Zhenli Tun that、mm. you're talking about. Gone, but there is one in Yonganli, which is on Line One, west of Guamao. So you go to Yonganli Station is a place called the Silk Market. Go into the Silk Market, third floor. There's a bunch of seamsters and seamstresses there. That can make anything you want, anything you can imagine. They can make it. The first price that they offer you,、mm. don't take that price. You you need to go for about a fourth <laughs> of whatever they say. So they'll say, "Oh, you want a new suit made? We'll make you a really nice、wow. suit at six thousand. Then you、Jason. could probably talk them down to twelve hundred or something."、Mm. Okay, that sounds decent. Yeah, three yeah. piece. We're talking so, about three I, pieces here. All, you know, the full thing, any style you want. Right. We、yeah. did the three piece thing. Yeah, but he never wore those.、Uh, the vest. The, the what? The vest inside. Yeah. That's like because I guess it's so not Chinese. It's very bourgeois. <laughs> He just bourgeois. never wore those. Yeah. So anyhow, I do want to get to mention the concept of the circular economy、mm-hmm. because it's actually a new concept for me. I know about recycling, reuse, and you know recovery,、mm-hmm. but I didn't know there's a term and a concept of circular economy.、Mm-hmm. Now to understand that, we need to start with the linear economy, linear as in a straight line going forward.、Mm-hmm. And I found this really good article.、Mm-hmm. It's called "Learn the Basics of." Circular living on free buy.、Mm-hmm. It's a hard to read website. So anyhow, it introduced, <laughs> <laughs> but you can go for the name of the article. Sure. So it said the linear economy, which means producing items that were only meant for single-use consumption, like my teapot or the electrical tea set.、Mm-hmm. I guess the common way people use it is you buy it, you use it, maybe three years later it breaks, and then you throw it away. Right. Right. We are so used to this. Right. But the Circular economy is、mm-hmm. like, hey, let's change this mindset a little bit, right? And of course, it's not just about the mindset.、Mm-hmm. It needs a community of、uh, supporting shops and you know people with certain skills. To be able for us to mm-hmm, reorganize mm-hmm. things or refurbish things and fix things that we need, so I, I guess these are new terms for me. But I just want to introduce it to our audience who have not heard of it.、Mm-hmm. So the circular economy、mm-hmm. reduces the consumption and waste of resources. You know, like raw materials, water, energy, everything we use in our daily lives, while focusing on increasing the life of、mm-hmm. products and services. So whatever you have, we also think about. How can I make it last longer?、Mm-hmm. Right. Even before you buy this, how long will this last? Like a piece of clothing, you know. How long do you think I can wear this? Right.、Mm-hmm. Or if my daughter can wear this in the future, things like that. So it's you know change、right. your thinking in minor ways. And the objective of a circular economy、mm-hmm. is to retain the value of things,、right. to give it further value and extend the life cycle of products and materials.、Mm-hmm. And that's how we work towards a sustainable world. And I think there is,、mm-hmm. um, you get this. Rewarding feeling. Let's say when you pull out、mm-hmm. a jacket that you've had for twenty years, you know it's still in your wardrobe and it's still looking nice. 
And I think that's, it's like an old friend already. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's no longer just a piece um, of clothing mm -hmm. sitting there. If it gets a rip, don't throw it out. Go get it fixed or learn how to fix it. Like a nice patch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it will become something that's like custom made already. Right. You know, right? people buying jeans the... with holes in them. So <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And your grandma sees them. She'll fix it. <laughs> she will try to patch it up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, actually, that's a funny so idea for I a mean. video. We could make a video where someone buys a brand new pair of torn up jeans and they go to visit their grandma for the new for, like, for Chinese New Year. And then when new, grandma gives them back year, after yeah. she's washed, they're all sewn up. <laughs> I fixed it for you. <laughs> and also, and she wipes away her tears and thinking that my grandson is so poor <laughs> living in the cities off somewhere. She He can't even afford a new pair of pants. <laughs> No, I bought them that yeah. way. Sure you did. It's okay. <laughs> Why would you do that? You should ask your money back. I also have this uh, article. It's from the BBC. It's where that uh, term uh, zero waste comes from. This is uh, the people living circular low waste lives. It's November 2023. And in it, it has five tips for low waste living. And it's based on community. So number one, mm. when shopping online, avoid impulse buys. That's me. Number two, set achievable, measurable goals. <laughs> so that means like, Instead, okay, next week when I go shopping, instead of buying a plastic bag with beans and, you know, dried beans, I will bring my own container and fill it with the beans mm. and, you know, the because they have that in China. I, I think they have that in the U.S. too. And number three, get friends and family involved. Mm. So, you know, if you're, you know, you're in your nuclear family, get them to support this idea. Say, hey, family, this is what we're going to be doing. And then number four, find local sources of sustainable secondhand and zero waste goods. That means, so you, you want to go shop. Don't think I'm going to go to Zara. Sorry, we've been very hard on you, Zara. Very sorry. But, then, you know, you can go to one of these thrift stores that in uh, the hutongs that I was talking about. And number five <laughs> is collective action. So that means uh, building a sustainable community, which is what you were talking about in mm. the article that you're reading, baby, which means maybe helping support your local shop. So someone opens a thrift stop mm. in your local town, mm -hmm. in your local village. Go there. Frequent it. Help them build their community. Tell your friends about it. Tell them, your friends, where it is that they should go there, that th that stuff is cool. And maybe you will meet your annoying neighbor there, too, and you guys can have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this is actually a really important point because this mm. whole movement, this whole trend of circular living isn't just about extending the lifespan of products. It's also about mm -hmm. rebuilding communities. Yeah. And I think I really want to reinforce this idea mm -hmm. in another article named hold on one second so in this article from globalcitizen.org and the name is mm -hmm. what is a circular economy benefit one of the things it mentioned is meaningful environmental and social justice mm -hmm. so the linear economy as we mentioned before treats human and environmental resources as disposable commodities mm -hmm. and enables extreme exploitation violence and poverty mm -hmm. right we all understand that. Yeah. But a truly circular economy will be premised on human flourishing mm -hmm. and these harms will be systematically stopped. Mm -hmm. And this is where the article says the narrow lens of recycling materials expands to encompass the concept of a just transition away from harmful industries and activities and in the process helping us to rebuild economies, helping people to reconnect. You know, instead of always buying industrial products with you know what ingredients right so go back to your local shops mm -hmm. right if you have a shoemaker or like in china you know how people sometimes in markets they will fix your shoes for like literally 80 cents or like a dollar yeah in earlier years i would take my shoes to mm -hmm. is that what you call them shoemaker like they fix shoes for you it used to be called shoemaker but i think there is a new term actually my father's mother lavila mm -hmm. my grandmother her family name before she was married was shoemaker because that's the old term but now there is actually a new term i think it's cobbler oh, i think that's right, right, right. there were both terms but cobbler took over and shoemaker was discarded okay but this the same meaning. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to, you know, in China and also hopefully elsewhere where the community start to thrive again, mm. because with urbanization, everything becomes like shiny and clean and there's less mess everywhere. But then there's less violence.
vitality. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have more markets right. and in the market, it's not just people selling vegetables or meat or eggs and things like that, mm-hmm. but people who would fix clothing for you, yeah. like a seamstress shop, mm-hmm. like a shoe shop and little shop of like all kinds of miscellaneous stuff. It's so convenient. Mm-hmm. You know, after work on your way home, you get everything you need in that market and you get a chat with mm-hmm. people you're familiar with, you know, neighbors and mm-hmm. your kids, friends. So there's that aspect to it, that human aspect to it. It isn't just about the products. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. One of the things that people like is to have new clothes, new things. And so there's another article here, and I'm not sure how useful it is because I actually don't care if my clothes are the same thing I've been wearing for years, but some people might. This is from Earth Fashion by Anna Santi, How to Update Your Wardrobe Easily. And she mentions, mm. you know, alterations. So you could dye your clothes. Oh. or you, And this is called upcycling, where you just repair or reuse something and make it new. You could actually take an old garment and un mm. you know de-seam it and re-seam it as a new huh. garment you could take your dress and turn it into a scarf for example i can't but other people maybe can <laughs> i don't have the skills my grandmother who i've mentioned three times now grandma smith mm. grandma formerly shoemaker she actually could do that she would collect old clothes from my aunt Anita. Mm. And she would, Aunt Anita didn't want this anymore. So she would give it to Grandma Smith. Grandma Smith would turn it into a blanket or a pillowcase or Mm. a scarf. And she would give it back to Anita and say, look what I made for you. And Anita would be like thrilled to get this new amazing thing that was made out of her old dress. Mm. And it keeps grandmas busy, right? So they (laughs) nag you less and makes them feel like they're still being productive. And you know, my cousin bought me a very fancy sewing machine for like over $200 about 10 years ago and it's still sitting there because I have not figured out how to do it (laughs) but I think someday (laughs) and she was like this is the this is simplest model I could find you could just go on Douyin just go on Douyin watch like you know a few hours of sewing videos and Mm -hmm. you'll be a master by tomorrow but the thing is like when it comes to making clothing it's like so much more complicated than it looks because when I like look at (laughs) t-shirt you feel like it's just like two pieces of clothing you just sew it together right but it's actually (laughs) Like so much more details. Maybe after I retire, you know, I think there will be something fun to do because you can make you know, dresses and suits for not just you, but your kids and the grandkids. And I think they will be really proud, you know, to wear something that they you can't even get in a shop. And also it helps. Grandma Bebe made this. Yeah. <laughs> and also speaking of like uh, dyeing clothing, my daughter does that every day. Like she has really quote unquote dyed every piece of her clothing with like paint, dirt, <laughs> other mysterious materials. <laughs> every day she comes back, her uniform form looks a little bit different. <laughs> well, she loves to paint. Uh, you know, it's a testament to the fun process of her growth, you know, at the same time. Well, one thing we used to, when I was a kindergarten teacher, one thing we would upcycle is every year, beginning of the year, mm. we would have all the parents into the room to tell them what our expectations were for the year and how we were going to manage the class. Mm-hmm. And then we would say, okay, we would insist both parents are there for this meeting. And one of the things we would ask of fathers is every father needs to provide one t-shirt they no longer wear. And then when we we do painting and stuff. We put that on their child because uh, it basically, you know, a dad T-shirt covers uh, the entire kindergartner. So right, then right. clothes are basically saved. So it's more like a smock. Is that? What, well, sure, but it's just the T-shirt. That? So they they basically look like little ghosts, you know, because it's their oh. their hands are barely <laughs> sticking out and the dad's shirts dragging right. along the floor or whatever. And speaking of the fashion industry, I did not know how much damage they do to the environment until our shows like months ago, hmm. and in this one of the articles we have today mm. it also mentioned that in its current form the fashion industry largely operates using a linear model which is like you buy something use it for a while and then you throw it away right so every yeah well that's their dream they would be yeah. so thrilled if that always happened exactly so every year more than a hundred billion items 
of new clothing are made. What? A hundred billion 100 items. Billion? Yeah. Wow. And yet, There's 10 pieces of clothing for every person made every year? Yeah. And that's very skewed. Wow. Right? Maybe someone like Paris Hilton would need like 10,000 yeah. a year. <laughs> Who knows, right? So, but yeah. compared to that, only 92 million tons of annual textile waste is sent to landfill, in part because only 1% of textiles is currently recycled back into clothing. So most of the textile we use mm. aren't reused again. And with the fashion industry contributing up to 10% right. of global carbon emissions, did you know that? The fashion industry mm -hmm. contributes up to 10% of global carbon emissions. That's amazing. We had a pretty good idea. One of the things that some of these companies do, I can't remember the name of the company, mm. is if they are not able to sell all of their product, they don't just donate it or something or send it to like, you know, some place where they, it could be reused where there's poverty. Mm. They literally burn it. Oh. And we're talking about thousands of tons of clothing. They're like, okay, well, this shirt wasn't as popular as we thought. So they incinerate mm. it. They literally incinerate excess clothing that they can't sell because they're worried that if they give it away to poor communities, that will devalue the quality, their image of their company. They're literally right. worried about poor people wearing their clothes <laughs> will make the value of their clothing drop. That's a great example of the capitalistic system. Yeah. Right. That's just how it works. It rather see some people starve than, you know, give mm. things away because that will affect their yeah. bottom line. Anyhow, one of the companies, or I think this is, might be a movement, Rebecca Early, who is a professor of circular design futures. There's a profession, I guess there's like a field of study called circular design futures. That's cool. From University College London. Mm -hmm. She's the co-founder of World Circular Textiles Day. Mm -hmm. There's a day designated for that. And she says this is area ripe for entrepreneurs, you know, the recycling of textile. And she said the adverts, so I guess that means advertisements mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. brands that came through my social media feeds mm -hmm. were one of the biggest challenges to stop buying new clothes. So she actually just unsubscribed from them because every time you, you know, turn on your cell phone, you go look at, mm -hmm. like in China, people go mm -hmm. to Taobao or Jingdong, right, to shop. There are always things popping up. Jingdong. Uh, see, you, maybe that's I, your I side. love Jingdong. <laughs> They're really yeah. fast delivery. <laughs> but so many things we bought. Well, I, you know, you get necessary things. Yeah, they have. Ne uh, we bought a uh, fire extinguisher for the house on Jingdong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never bought any fire extinguisher. I buy my beans from Jingdong and it gets there like the next day. Well, they have fire extinguishers in the apartment hallway, but I'm worried because Summer, my wife, burns incense. So I got uh. a fire extinguisher for inside the house <laughs> so that we would be, have a faster reaction time. And then I made sure she knew how to use it. I could see Jason pointing that fire extinguisher at the Buddha statue, <laughs> like always getting ready to douse oh, it no. with the phone, whatever. <laughs> Anyhow, hopefully you'll never, you know, use it. Okay. Yeah. Incense yeah. should be okay. So anyhow, I think there's so many ideas we can, you know, put to action in our daily lives. As long as you are aware of the fact mm. that we are changing from circular economy and we're changing from linear economy and this linear mindset to circular ones. And I do have mm -hmm. a strong hope for the younger generation. I have hope for their creativity, right? I think they will be able to think up new ideas. Yeah. They will be able to think up new trends. For mm -hmm. example, how to make grandma's clothing mm -hmm. fashionable again, right? Because fashion is recycled anyway. Mm. I mean, if you look at like fashion magazines from mm -hmm. decades ago, they might look very similar to what people are promoting today. It's like after a couple mm -hmm. decades, things come back again, right? So I look forward to their creativity and um, to the new trends they're going to start because I think these are so powerful. I think in one article I read that they are these social trends are even stronger than lobby, you know, in promoting. Mm. Well, I wanted to actually talk sure. about that because I have an article here by uh, I think it's called Delwa. I was tell I told I was mispronouncing mm. that, but the company D E L O I T T E Deloitte, Deloitte? maybe. Mm. Anyways, this is Sustainable Consumer 2023. So they put this out every year, mm. and exactly what you said is exactly what they're saying, mm -hmm. that because consumers are increasingly aware of the global environment, and especially young consumers, they put out a list of things companies can do to sell their products better. Mm. So given this new environment, number one is lead with transparency. And number three is bring circularity into your value 
chain. And then also uh, down below, it says, mm -hmm. in summary, these are our key findings. And a couple of them are, on balance, more consumers have adopted a sustainable lifestyle in 2023 compared with a year ago. So they're basically saying you need to be aware that your consumers, this is all companies in the world, that your consumers are aware of their choices and they're going to not choose you if you're destroying the environment, basically. Mm -hmm. Number two is uh, the rising cost of living. So that is especially true in Europe and the United States. And more consumers are taking sustainability into consideration right. when making choices. So it's not just you and me. It's actually like tens and millions, hundreds of millions of mm -hmm. people around the world are looking at their choices and thinking, well, we need to make better choices for the environment. So this isn't just us on our podcast anymore. This is everybody. And so, so we're not that special anymore, but that's okay. Well, I'm happy. And I'm not. This, I'm thrilled that this is taking off. So there are like other people out there who also get excited when they find new like deal, a biodegradable plastic garbage bags like I do. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a good thing. And also, <laughs> right. Yes, a, exactly. A couple things. Maybe not a 10 year old child, though. You know what? If you think <laughs> of clever ways, you can make them. You can, I guess, inject fun energy into a lot of things. Mm. And then this particular thing will become trendy and cool. And then young people will be attracted to it. So another point I want to mention is that we can learn to attach fun and meaning to what we do, even if it's simple things as like recycling mm -hmm. or reusing some old clothing or other appliances. Mm -hmm. It's not just the action itself. If we remind ourselves the reason behind it, right? Or in other words, the thing itself might be small, but the reason behind it can be very big. You know, even if I'm just taking this broken teapot, mm -hmm. you know, to a shop to be fixed, it might be a small action, but it has great meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And if more of us can start doing the same thing, mm -hmm. well, first of all, the local shops will do better, right? And it's better for the environment. And we are pushing, uh, injecting energy into um, a fancy new trend. Mm -hmm. So yes, let's, let's get to it. Absolutely. I'm completely with you. We really would like to get your comments if you have ideas ideas, you disagree, agree, you want us to, there's a specific show that you want us to make, please email us mm -hmm. at welovethebridge at gmail.com. And if we like your comment enough, we'll read it on the air. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> and thank you, our listeners. We'll see you next time.